Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. I told everybody this morning at the first service, I woke up 20 minutes before my alarm clock this morning. I was so excited to be here uh, to talk about uh, New Life's bullseye, and that's what this series has all been about, and our bullseye is our mission, which is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. Now, last two weeks ago, we talked about what it means to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. And then last week, we talked about what it means to grow personally, to grow as a church family, and to grow as we tell other people, even out in our community, about the new life Jesus has given us. And today, the focus is going to be what it means to live the new life of Jesus Christ in the world, uh, one person at a time, each of us living it out in our daily lives. And so, um, in the past month, Nancy and I have re-entered a season of our life that we thought was over the season of parenting teenagers. Uh, We thought that one was gone. Now, I don't know if you really think about this, but we live our life in seasons. The first three seasons are very short. The season of infancy, the season of toddlerhood, and then the season of preschooler. Those three seasons only take up five years of our life, and yet they are so dramatic because by the time we're five, our personalities are basically formed. Now, of course, they can be changed or adjusted by a traumatic event or events. They can be changed or adjusted by learning and education and also by the entrance of the Holy Spirit into our lives. But basically, those first three seasons are very pivotal for who we are and who we're going to become. And then we move into the season of childhood and adolescence. And in American culture in the 21st century, that season of adolescence is happening at a younger and younger age. In fact, there are children who are becoming adolescents at 10 or 11, at least physically speaking. And so uh, that's, that's very young. And on the other end of adolescence, though, that, that's being extended in this culture. In fact, some people don't go into adulthood until they're about 30. Now, that's a sermon for another day. But anyway, uh, th- that's a, those are two seasons, childhood and adolescence. But ordinarily, adulthood is supposed to start when we're about 18. And uh, we're going to talk about the different seasons of adulthood. You have, uh, you know, the early adulthood at 18. You go to college. You get a vocation. You, you start to live as a man or woman in society. And then, you know, somewhere in the mid-20s, usually, upper 20s into the 30s, um, you tend to get married. If you're going to get married, you you move in with somebody. If you're in your 20s or 30s and you're a woman and you're going to have children, you start to have children, usually, sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. But that's typically the way it is. And for Nancy and I, our parenting years started when we were in our early 30s. We uh, had been married for about 10 years whenever our children came along. So uh, we lived that series, uh, that season of our life for a quarter of a century. Sounds like a long time, doesn't it? 24 years, we were parents uh, of people, children at home. And then our nest emptied. And we moved into a new season of life, which usually is divided into two seasons, which would be empty nesters when everything's going fine and great, you know. And then as you get older, there can be either physical or mental challenges. And then usually in a marriage relationship, one of the couple dies before the other. Usually that's what happens, and eventually both die. And if you never get married, then, you know, you live through those adult seasons and you die. So that's the seasons of life that you would expect. But for us, as I said, you know, the twists and turns of life take us different ways. And so we're thrust back into that parenting of teenagers season of life. But whatever season of life you're in today, I'd like to ask you a key question. 
And here is that key question. In each of life's seasons, what does it mean to live? What does it mean to actually live your life the way the God of the universe created you to live and me to live? Because we were created for each season of life to live a full life, an abundant life, which is what we're going to talk about today. In fact, today's take-home point is going to remind us that in our lives, we're either going to live abundant life or constant strife. That's really how it's going to work. We're going to live abundant life or constant strife. And as we go through our lives, what we notice about people is some people tend to sort of drift through life and they never really engage it. Some people tend to go through life um, with sort of a constant sense of um, uh, anxiety or always ready to explode in anger or fear or sadness. And unfortunately, some people just never seem to engage life at all. Um, But if you uh, are familiar with the Bible, you probably know where I got my take-home point for today. And if you're new, the take-home point is the one point we seek to make each week as uh, we present a message. It comes from Scripture, and we hope that everybody will take it home and that we will pray about it and we'll live it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this particular take-home point comes from the words of Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible because in it, Jesus tells us that life is a battle and the only way to win is through Jesus. In John 10.10, Jesus has been talking to a crowd. At first, it was just his disciples and an individual. Back in John chapter 9, there was a man who was born blind and Jesus had healed the man. And that created quite a stir. And then it created quite a crowd. And in the midst of this conversation with the crowd, Jesus tells the crowd that he's the good shepherd. And actually, he tells them that they're sheep. And that's not really a compliment because sheep are very fragile and smelly and they die easy, you know. But, but we're sheep, and Jesus says he's the good shepherd. In fact, in the conversation, Jesus even says that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In other words, what Jesus was doing was telling everybody that he was going to die ultimately on the cross in order to pay the penalty of human sin, which would allow every person who um, responds to that um, salvation a, a new life that's for now and forever. But in the midst of this conversation, John 10, 10 occurs, and this is what Jesus said. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for these words of Jesus. They remind us that there is an enemy that we all face, and he's very real, but that Jesus has overcome that enemy, the devil, and so we can have abundant life. And today, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts and our minds, our souls and spirits, that we can receive your truth And that we can receive that life that is truly life in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus offers abundant life. The devil and his minions, that's the thief, they offer constant strife. The devil is real. He is very real and he seeks to steal from our lives anything that he can take away from us. His goal is to kill us ultimately physically and and spiritually and to destroy us. And when Jesus says, I came that you may have life, he uses a different word than we might have expected. Um, in, the, in the original Greek in which John the Apostle wrote these words down, he used the word bios for life. It's the word we get the word biology from, you know, the study of life, um, physical life. That's what biology is all about, but he doesn't use that word. He uses the word zoe. 
Zoe is a word that is the, the life of God. It's God's life. It's spiritual life. The way I would describe it, if you're my age, you'll get this. Probably most of you won't. Maybe they still have some black and white TV shows. But when I was growing up, our TV was in black and white. You know, I didn't even know that Captain Kirk and, and Mr. Spock had different colored uniforms. I thought they were the same. Uh, until one day, you know, I got a color TV. And, and the color TV made everything different, you know. It, it actually looked like real life. And, and so when Jesus talks about the Zoe, he's talking about life in color, not in black and white. He's talking about life the way God created it to be before sin entered into the world and life that we're supposed to live. And he offers that to us instead of, the, 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 the stealing and the killing and the destroy, destroying um, that the devil came to give us. So when we added the word life to our mission statement, to our bullseye last year, when we made the statement no longer sharing the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time, but we exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time, what we were saying is that we, whatever season of life we are in, we are intended to experience it to its fullness. And so when Nancy and I moved back into this season of parenting of teenagers, three teenage girls or sisters, you know, some of you actually offered us your condolences. Some of you, you know, said, better you than me. But some of you said, wow, that's really awesome. And when the opportunity presented itself, Nancy, I really didn't have a lot of time to think about the implications of it. We really thought about it and prayed about it more from the perspective of Teresa and Yukina and Yumiko. And it seemed the obvious thing to do. And, and the thing I have to tell you is our lives have changed quite a bit. Um, in fact, our, our, our house isn't usually quiet anymore. Um, and, uh, and the thing is, there has been more love and more life, that Zoe life, than we've experienced in a long time in our home. And, uh, and it goes both ways. It's been a blessing for all five of us. So when we think about this Zoe life, and we think about the opposite, which is what Jesus talked about here. He talked about the thief. Let's look at what he said again. He said, the thief comes to do what? To steal. And he only comes to do this, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And so let's look at each of those three things that the devil wants to do in our lives because I don't believe for a minute that the devil has any ultimate power and victory over us, but that's what his plan is in our lives. So let's look at each of those three things uh, that the devil wants to do. And uh, as we do that, I want you to think about this because people have asked me, this is probably the most common question people have asked me over the years is, Pastor Chris, you know, when you look around and see all the suffering and pain in the world, do you, don't you ever wonder if there's really a loving God? And I've, I have wondered about that. But I'll tell you what I wonder about even more. I look around at the world, which, by the way, is a world where most of the people have not yet believed or trusted in the life that is truly life that Jesus offered. And where the devil is constantly at work to steal, to kill, and destroy. Where many people don't even believe there is a God. And I wonder this. Why is there so much good in the world? Why is there so much good in the world if this, you know, if this enemy is against us and if there's so many people that don't believe anything, why is there so much good? Well, well, I want you to understand something. The reason there is is because our God is not at the hands of the devil and neither are we. I want you to remember that the book of James reminds us that if we humble ourselves and we resist the devil, he has to flee from us. The devil, as I've said many times, he's a, he's a loser but he isn't a quitter. 
So let's take a look at each of these three items, steal, kill, and destroy, and to see how the abundant life that God offers overcomes those. So first off, I want you to think about this. One of the biggest challenges that we face to living the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again and sent his spirit to give us is this. The devil's devil's attacks are often subtle. So uh, he steals our abundant life by tiny increments. What do I mean by that? Well, the devil doesn't whisper in our ear, why don't you become an alcoholic? He doesn't whisper in our ear, why don't you kill your neighbor? He he doesn't whisper in our ear, why don't you have an affair so your marriage will end? He doesn't whisper in our ear, why don't you worship me instead of God? Because he knows we would reject that. I mean, if I said to you this morning, if you would like to become a drug addict, raise your hand. Nobody raises your hand. If I said this morning, how many of you would like to ruin your life and to be a bitter old man or woman someday? Raise your hand. Nobody raises your hand. If I said, how many of you would like to reject the abundant life that Jesus offers and and die and go to hell someday? someday? How many of you would raise your hand? Nobody. Of course, nobody would do that because it's ridiculous that any of us would want to end up there. But there are millions of people in the world who who are drug addicts. And there are millions and millions of people in the world who do end up becoming old and bitter men or women. And there are actually billions of people who die and and spend eternity separated from God in hell. And the reason for that is because the devil doesn't tell us these blatant, obvious things that all of us would see as, you know, as deceit. All of us would see as attempts to steal our life. What he does is what Pastor Mark has often referred to as he causes us to to, uh, think about 15-minute decisions instead of 15-year decisions. A 15-minute decision is a decision that feels good for 15 minutes. You know, example of a 15-minute decision would be getting drunk or getting high or, or, you know, um, hooking up with somebody sexually or skipping school or skipping work. It feels good for a few minutes. It feels good for a brief period of time. But over a 15-year period of time, it steals the abundant life that we were created to have. Now, I'm going to tell you about a little more subtle 15-minute decision that I made this, actually just about a week ago. A couple weeks ago, I was going out to lunch, you know, with a friend, and I had already eaten lunch at home with my mother-in-law who was staying with us at a time, so, so I decided, you know, good 15-year decision, I'm going to have a salad. So I had a salad, good 15-year decision, and then I had a piece of pizza. Now, it wasn't a little piece of pizza. It was like a piece of pizza like this big, okay? Then I had a pepperoni roll, and then I had a cannoli. So while I was eating that pizza and that pepperoni roll and that cannoli, man, it felt so good, but not so much later in the afternoon. You know, and then uh, as we were leaving, you know, my friend, being a good friend that he is, he said, you know, the girls would probably like to have cannoli. So he bought a cannoli for all the girls, which is four, right? But then he bought five because he wouldn't want the girls to have to eat their cannoli by themselves, right? So I went home that night, same night. And, uh, and so we all had our cannoli. And, uh, <laughs> and did I mention that I ate it 15 minutes before bed? That was another 15-minute decision. Okay, it was definitely not a 15-year decision. So what does the devil do? He gets us to focus on these little 15-minute decisions because his goal is to steal our health, to steal our wealth, to steal every good thing in our life so that one day we end up where we don't want to be. Because nobody wants to be 50 pounds overweight. Nobody wants to be divorced. Nobody wants to be an alcoholic. Nobody wants to be miserable. But if we make these 15-minute decisions that feel good for 15 minutes over 15 years, we end up where the devil wants us to be. And that's what Jesus was talking about. The devil is very sharp and very shrewd. 
He's a loser, but he's not a quitter. So he's going to keep doing that in our lives. So then the next thing is um, we want to look at what, what is the next thing he wants to do? He wants to kill us. And, and the truth of the matter is when the, the devil comes to kill us, he ultimately wants to kill us physically, but he's just as happy if he kills us spiritually. If he kills us spiritually, he's the big winner. Now, he has a head start. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but we all end up, or we all start out, I should say, as spiritually dead. We are born physically, we're alive. But we're spiritually not alive because of sin. Because of the sin of Adam and Eve and the sin that has been perpetuated down through humanity, we are born dead spiritually. So if the devil can keep us from ever becoming alive spiritually, he wins. And, and so that's what he seeks to do in our lives. He, keeps, he tries to keep us distracted so that we will continue to do the things that actually could speed or hasten our physical death. Because if we have our physical death without a spiritual birth, we end up in hell forever. And the devil knows that. And that's his goal in our lives. That's what he's seeking to do, is he wants to keep us spiritually dead until we get physically dead, so we get to be with him forever instead of with God forever. Now, Jesus obviously offers the solution to this. And in fact, there was a time when Jesus was talking with a religious leader named Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee in Israel. And this is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So why do we need to be born again? Because as I've already said, we were born physically alive and spiritually dead because of sin. And so Jesus offers us this opportunity to come alive spiritually. And the devil knows that. And the devil doesn't want us to have any opportunity for that to happen. So he keeps us busy. He keeps us involved in things that, you know, the world thinks are important, which are ultimately are not, or even good things, good things, which distract us from the best thing, which is the life, which is the true life in Jesus Christ. Because if we never are born again, then we're going to die physically and we're going to remain dead spiritually and we're going to be in hell forever. And the devil uh, understands one thing. He hates God. The devil hates God. The devil was once an angel. I don't know if you know that, but the, the devil was once the chief angel. Lucifer, it means light. And, and one day, the devil decided being the chief angel was like one position lower than he wanted. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to be the chief angel. He didn't want to be God's best servant. He wanted to rule. And so uh, you, you fight against God and you will lose, and he did, and so God cast him down to our realm, the earth. And so now the devil's passion is to steal and to kill and destroy our lives because he knows how much God loves us. And the devil knows if he can keep us distracted, if he can keep us involved in these 15-minute decisions, eventually we will die. And when we do, we will be with him forever instead of with God forever. So Jesus told us that he is the good shepherd, and that he lays down his life for the sheep. And he did it. He died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his innocent blood. And the blood of Jesus washes away all of our sin and everything that the devil has done in our lives and everything that we've done just selfishly in our lives that separates us from God and creates this new life that we can have. But the last thing that the devil will do, it says, Jesus said this, Jesus said, the devil came to destroy us. So what's the difference between killing us and destroying us. You realize in, in English, if I destroy you, I've probably killed you. But that's not the, the, the meaning in the original Greek word that's used there. Let me illustrate by uh, turning to Luke 15 for a minute. Luke 15, there are three parables about three things that are lost. 
There's a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. And in each of the cases, when it says the lost sheep, the word is apolumi, which means destroyed. And the lost coin is apolumi, destroyed. And the lost son is apolumi, destroyed. So, so what we know is it can't mean dead because the lost sheep is eventually returned to its master. The master goes out and finds it, right? And so the relationship is restored to the shepherd and the sheep. And in the second story, we know that the lost coin is eventually found by the, the owner, the woman who owns it. And so the coin is restored. And in the last case, the son is restored to his father and the relationship is restored. So apolumi, destroyed, actually means lost. And we're already lost. We start out that way. And all the devil has to do is keep us that way. That's his goal. He wants to keep us from being found by the good shepherd, being restored to our heavenly father. Because if that happens, same thing if he kills us. The same result. The result is eventually we're going to die physically. And eventually we're going to spend our eternity with him instead of with God. So the devil's goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. Now, If we go back to our mission statement for a moment, the mission is to do what? We exist to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's why we exist as a church. And the reason we exist to do that as a church, because that's pretty much a definition of what it means to live the abundant life. When we share the new life of Jesus with somebody, whether it's somebody that's a friend or a family member, somebody at school, somebody at work, maybe it's somebody in Cambodia or somebody in China, somebody in Cuba, wherever it is that we share the new life of Jesus and they respond. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever done that, but wow, that is so much fun. I mean, there's nothing really better than that. Once you know Jesus yourself, there's nothing really better than having the opportunity to tell people about Jesus and they respond because you know what happens that moment, that moment the devil just lost permanently. When that person comes into the kingdom of God, they're, they're, they're part of the good shepherd's kingdom. And so now the devil loses that person and that person and that person. And that's why the, the goal here at New Life, the bullseye, the target is to share the new life of Jesus. But then that's not the end. See, some people think all, all we exist to do is share the new life of Jesus so they get saved so they don't go to hell. That's just the beginning of the new life. Do you realize that, that the, the new life that we have isn't supposed to just get saved, but we're supposed to grow up? And that's what we talked about last week. And I don't know if you've ever done this. You read your Bible, and all of a sudden something clicks, and you go, wow, I never realized that before. And when you realize that truth, it changes the way you see everything. It changes the direction of your life. And that's part of that Zoe life that God gives. All of a sudden you realize that you exist. And In fact, this is one of those moments for me. In Philippians 2, we're told that we're supposed to be like Jesus. And then it tells us what Jesus was like. He was a servant. And there was a period in my life at one point that I finally realized that Jesus died for me so that I could give my life to serve others. And that serving others was really one of the chief purposes of my life. And and if that doesn't sound so great to you, once you get it in the power of the Holy Spirit and you get to you get to serve other people, wow, it's it's so incredible. So anyway, so as we grow up in Jesus Christ then that's experiencing the life in Jesus Christ. And of course, just living, worshiping him, praising him, being with other people who know him, those are the kind of things that the life consists of. And so here's the thing that everybody in the room needs to understand today, everybody watching on TV needs to understand today, is this, 
that we can only share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ when we have received the new life of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and, and you've been sort of, you know, drifting through life, wondering what's the meaning, what's the purpose, or maybe you haven't even been wondering what's the meaning and purpose, um, there is a meaning and purpose. There's a God who created us, and that God who created us loves us so much that when we rejected him, he didn't reject us. He sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to live a perfect life and to die on the cross so that we could have a new life. He exchanged his perfect life for our sinful lives, our broken lives, our stolen and killed and destroyed lives, and to give us abundant life. That's what he did on the cross and when he rose from the dead and when he went back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us. Now, here's the thing. If you've never surrendered your life, that old life, the life that doesn't really understand the, 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 you know, the color picture life that you're intended to live, you never had that, then Jesus said it's a process called being born again. And I've said this so many times over the years, probably hundreds of times over the years. It's It's simple but it's not easy. Now, it's simple because all we have to do is admit who we are, confess to God that we're sinners, that, that we're, you know, we're dead. Spiritually, we're already dead, and that we want the new life, and, and we, we turn ourselves over to Jesus as Savior. He saves us from sin and death as Lord, which means he becomes the owner of our life. He gets to tell us how to live, and then he gives us his Holy Spirit, and so we can actually live into that. Now, here's why it's not easy. Because the devil doesn't quit when we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and become new people. In fact, the devil redoubles his efforts. He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy us. And so, you know, I've heard pastors, I've heard preachers say, if you trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to get a new life, and it's going to be the best life you're going to have. It's going to be a wonderful life, and everything's going to be good. Now, now please listen carefully. That's a lie. What's a lie is everything in your life is going to be good. Because as, as Chris mentioned uh, at the, introducing that first song, you know, that song that he said, sang, and we sang it together, right? It talks about when you lose your job and when you lose a child and when you have a disease and you're going to die in a few months. And when all of these things happen in life, why do those things happen? They, they happen because the devil came for only one reason, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he's still at work in the world. Does that mean he wins? No, he can never win. He lost. But that doesn't mean that we won't hurt and suffer and physically die. But the, the point is, when we have spiritual life, the life, the Zoe life that cannot die, if we physically die, we get to go be with Jesus. And you might say, well, that's, that's fine, Chris, but I want to live for another 20 years. Well, so do I. But if I don't, I'm going to live forever with Jesus. And so I want to tell you, living the life in Jesus Christ is not easy, it, it, but it's the best life there is, the, the abundant life that Jesus offers. In fact, the devil is going to keep attacking us. And, and what? remember the picture. The picture is Jesus is what? He's the good shepherd, right? And what are we? Sheep. And by that illustration, the devil is the wolf. Now, if you put a sheep against a wolf, what's going to happen? The wolf wins. I mean, 100 out of 100 times, the wolf kills the sheep. There's no Taekwondo sheep, you know. They don't just, it just doesn't work that way. 100 out of 100 times, the wolf kills the sheep. Unless the sheep crawls between the shepherd's legs. If the sheep is between the shepherd's legs, then what happens? The wolf comes and the wolf goes, ah, I don't think I want to mess with that one. 
And that's what happens in our lives when Jesus Christ becomes this Savior in our lives. He's the good shepherd in our lives. He watches over his sheep. And sometimes in a fallen world where bad things happen to good people because the devil is limitedly given power because the biggest picture of all is we're going to die anyway. I'm not trying to make you sad here today. I'm just telling you the truth. We're going to die anyway. Unless Jesus comes back. That's always my preference. I'd like him to come back before I die. You know, like right before I'm ready to die, not like today. Uh, Right? Isn't that what everybody wants? I mean, and, either way, and even if, if you want Jesus to come back today, that's sort of selfish anyway because there's 4 billion people on the planet who are going to go to hell today if Jesus comes back. So I pray, I know a lot of you pray for Jesus to come back today. I pray him, don't, please, please don't come back today. I do because I, I want Jesus to give everybody a chance. And he is. I mean, he has for 2,000 years already. You see, I have these arguments with Jesus a lot of times. So far, he's listening um, but he, he's, he's the boss. You know, he's the one with the T at the end of his name. I'm not. But the, let, me, let me get back to the focus here. The focus is, if Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of your life, the good shepherd is in charge of you, the sheep, and the wolf cannot ultimately kill you. He can hurt you. He can harm you. He can destroy your physical body. But he cannot end you because that life is eternal in the heavens. So if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've been living life maybe meaningless, maybe having fun, because there's a lot of people that don't believe in Jesus that are having fun. And, and it's fun until it isn't. And, and it could be fun all of your life because of the general grace of God, the goodness of God. You know, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous. The rain comes, you know, on the farmer who doesn't believe in God and on the one who does because God is good. But one day, this, this whole thing ends. And in, on that day, it's very important that we have trusted Jesus, Savior and Lord. So you could do that right now. Just say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. I want that new life that Pastor Chris is talking about, that Zoe life. Please come in and take over, and, 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 and he will. Now, that won't mean that you'll immediately be perfect. I mean, you might eat a couple cannolis um, in one day, <laughs> maybe five. I don't know, but anyway, um, those kind of things will still happen. And maybe you'll still, whenever somebody at work asks you a question, you might tell a little white lie, which there is no such thing. A lie is a lie. Or maybe at school, you, somebody might say, are you a Christian? And you might like, go, I'm not sure. You know, those kind of things. It takes a while to grow up as a sheep because that new life, it takes a while to develop in the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. Once that life is there, we have the opportunity to live it every day. And that's the commitment for today. The commitment for today is... I will live the abundant life Jesus offers this week. I will live the abundant life Jesus offers this week. Earlier in the message, I asked you, how many of you want to become an alcoholic? And everybody went, "Uh uh-uh. How many, I mean drug addict, I actually said. How many of you want to grow up to be old, bitter men or women? Nobody raised their hand. How many of you want to die and go to hell? Nobody raised their hand. So I'm going to ask you a new question. Question is, how many of you want to live the abundant life that Jesus offers? Anybody? Anybody want to live that life? Huh, almost all of you. Thank God for that. Here's the good news. It's available. Some of us already have it, and, and maybe we've forgotten that. Maybe we woke up this morning and we forgot that the devil's already defeated. He's a loser, but not a quitter. Maybe you didn't have it when you woke up this morning, but now you do. And so now you get to live into this new life that only can be experienced by those who have become sheep of the good shepherd. And he died and rose again to show us how much he is for us. 
If anybody ever tells you God doesn't love you, I just want you to look at that thing up there, that cross. Let it remind you God loves you. You're worth one Jesus, okay? And as we go out today, we get to live that life that is truly life. And when the devil comes against us with that constant strife he wants to give, we don't have to have that. We can have the abundant life. So let's pray and ask God to let us live that way this week. Almighty God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we get to live the new life in Jesus Christ because you loved us so much. Thank you for the truth, God, that the devil will come and he'll come against us, but ultimately he can't destroy us. Ultimately, he can kill our body, but he can't take away our life. And God, we know he's gonna try to steal every good thing in our life, but you will give us the victory as we trust in you and the power of your spirit. So fill us anew with your Holy Spirit, each and every one of us, that we might live that life that is abundant and true today and every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.